0: Everything that we talk about hinges on the goodness of God and the resurrection of His Son, Jesus Christ.
1: love explode and bring the dead to life. I love so long to see a revolution somehow. My God's not dead, he surely alive.
0: welcome into the family of God. Others of you today. Uh, Would somebody shout and give our God praise because the tomb is empty. Our God is in control and our God is good. God, please just understand, I'm not coming to you out of frustration. It's just more out of confusion. I mean, I'm a sinner. I mean, I've done things that I know I'm not proud of. I mean, you've you've seen me at my worst. Why would you want to use someone like me? Well, I'm so glad to have all of you with us for the fourth and the final week of the series called Why. I just want to tell you that next week we're starting a brand new series. It's based on a uh, new book that I've got coming out called Soul Detox. We're going to talk about clean living in a contaminated world. And that series starts next week. I can't wait to share all that God has put on my heart about soul Detox. Today, as we finish the series called Why, what I want to do is wrestle with one of the big questions that so many of us ask, and that is why would God use someone like me? Now, the great news today is I'm actually going to team teach with all of our live church pastors and with our network church pastors as well. So, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to start off and share a few thoughts then I'm going to toss it to your pastor, whom you will make feel very, very welcome, and we're going to let God's Word speak to us about this question, why would God use someone like me? Now, as we start, let me just tell you, and I believe this with all of my heart, that God wants to do something incredibly significant in you and through you. I believe that God knew what he was doing when he made you and put you in this moment in history. That God wants to use you to do something significant. And at the same time, I believe that with all my heart. I also believe that we have a spiritual enemy who wants to talk you out of believing that God wants to use you. That's why so many of us ask the question, why would God use someone like me? And the excuses can roll off of our tongues. I don't know enough of the Bible to make a difference, or I still lose my temper. How many of you could say I did that just this last week? Or I'm no spiritual giant, I mean there are people I get around and they pray and it's like they're close to God and I pray and get nervous and stumble and lose focus so quickly, or I don't have any great talent, I don't have a lot of spiritual gifts, or occasionally I have my own doubts, or I messed up big time. Or I actually have a cat. I don't know what your excuse would be, but so many of us, we feel too insignificant. We feel too insecure and don't believe that God could really use us. How many of you honestly sometimes feel a little bit insecure about God's Ability or willingness to use you. I know I have at so many different points in my life. Uh, what I want to do today is set the tone before I toss to your pastor about one of my favorite stories from Scripture. Uh, we'll be in Judges chapter 6, is where we'll start today, if you want to go there in your Bibles. And we're going to look at a guy named Gideon who actually, in our story, was hiding from the enemy, the Midianites, and he was doing his job, which was threshing wheat, but he was doing it in a wine press because, quite honestly, he was afraid and didn't want the bad guys to find him. Well, an angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and says something very powerful. The angel of the Lord says this, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Here's what I'd love for you to do. Touch your neighbor right now and say, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Go ahead and do it. If you're sitting next to a lady, say, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Princess, come on. Are there any princesses in the house today? Well, Gideon responds the way a lot of us would, and he basically says, well, if the Lord is with us, then why are all these bad things happening? You know, if the Lord is with us, Why are we suffering? I'm not really sure that God is with us. Judges six, verse 14 and 15 is where we pick up the story. Uh, Verse 14, scripture says, the Lord turned to him and said, I love this. God said to him, go, God said to him, Go, God said to him, go, not in your own strength, but go in the strength that you have. Watch as God is going to give him strength. Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. And then God asked the question, am I not sending you? Verse 15, but Lord, Gideon asked, how can I, save Israel how can I make a difference he says my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family in other words why would God use someone like me if you've ever felt like you weren't good enough to serve in student ministry and help with our teenagers and switch, or you felt like you didn't know enough to mentor someone in a life group, or you didn't know enough uh, or, or weren't good enough to help serve in life kids, if you ever felt like, I'm not good enough, why would God use someone like me? The good news is I believe God is going to answer that question through his word today. Would somebody help answer this question? Touch your neighbor right now and say, why would God use someone like my pastor? Please welcome your pastor as he finishes this
1: message. I ask, uh, I ask that question every single day. Um, why would God want to use someone like me? Who's ever asked that question of themselves before ever? All of us have. Um, you know, oftentimes uh, when I have the opportunity to speak, uh, on the other side of this camera is uh, about 200 network churches in countries all over the world, uh, people watching at church online, and, and I kind of have to broaden uh, my message to a very, very large audience, and uh, this is actually the first time I've been with Life Church for about 10 years, been on the Oklahoma City campus for uh, a few. This is actually the first time. I've ever been able to preach a sermon just to you. And so this is, um, this is I'm just going to sit down and get comfortable. This is kind of a family talk. We're all going to just take our shoes off like we're in the living room. So <laughs> go ahead. I'm just kidding. That's nasty. Um, but this, this is a little bit of a family conversation um, because God, God's put this uh, message in my heart. Frankly, uh, I've been praying for you to hear from the Holy Spirit today. Um, for, uh, for weeks, and so uh, let's just dive in, cool? First thought, who does God use? Write this down, God uses the insecure. God uses the insecure. In uh, Old Testament, book of Exodus, one of the most famous stories in the Old Testament, we have um, God's people, the Israelites, who are in slavery, they're in bondage, uh, in Egypt to Pharaoh, and God God has this burden to rescue his people, and so he chooses an individual um, to fulfill his purpose. His name is Moses, and he was actually born a Hebrew but raised uh, literally in Pharaoh's house himself. And so Moses is walking one day, and the Lord appears to him in what seems like a bush engulfed in flames, and the audible voice of God says to Moses, "I've chosen you for a task. you're going to stand Pharaoh down and you're going to actually walk all of Israel uh, out of Egypt." And uh, the very first thing that comes into Moses' head, and the very first thing that comes out of Moses' mouth, is his insecurity. Exodus chapter four verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, "O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant, like literally I'm talking to the creator of the universe like over the last five minutes and I still have a stutter. He says, I am slow of speech and tongue. How many times has, has God spoken to you in a burning bush? Probably never. Um, but how many times have you had this sense that God could use you to do something bigger than yourself? And then instantaneously, your your insecurity resume just starts flooding your mind, right? The first, all the excuses of why God couldn't use you. Well, I'm here to tell you, you may say I'm not an outgoing person, I'm terrified of crowds, I'm too young, I'm too old, whatever the excuses are, I'm here to tell you that God Um, He doesn't make junk, ever, ever. He made you with great intention. He knows exactly how you are wired, and you didn't make you. And so whatever those thoughts of insecurity that come into your mind, you have to recognize that could it be that the God who made everything might have a better understanding of what you're actually capable of doing than you do? You know what I'm saying? But he still uses the insecure. So Exodus 4, it goes on. And, and the Lord responds to Moses' insecurity. And the Lord said to Moses, I love this. Um, hey, uh, Moses, uh, just, just a question. Um, who, who gave you your mouth? Was, was, it, was it me? Was it, it was me, right? Who gave man his mouth? It is not I, the Lord. Now, what does God say after that? He says, now what? Now go, and I will what? Help you speak, and I will do what? I will teach you what to say. I guarantee you one thing. The moment you step out to do something that, that builds the kingdom, something that, that reinforces who God's created us to be and what he's created us to do, I promise you this, God will far exceed whatever insecurity you think you bring to that task. God uses, he loves using the insecure. Second person God loves to use, write this down. God uses the unlikely. God uses the unlikely. Craig often says, if you're the smartest, smartest, funniest, most athletic, best looking person on the planet, God, hopefully, can still use you. <laughs> the, the reality, though, when you look at Scripture, is that God tends to choose the ordinary, the overlooked. In fact, there's a story, uh, David. So, so God speaks to Samuel to go anoint the next king of Israel. And so he goes to the house of Ben-Jesse. And when he gets there, there's a couple of perfect specimens, right? The older sons, they're standing there and they've got the Groeschel, you know, biceps working and, and they're tall and they're mature and they're good looking. And, and so check, check out what scripture says. It says, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that man looks at, church. I'm going to say that again. The Lord doesn't look at what you look at. He doesn't, never has. Scripture says, man looks at what? We look at the Outward appearance, right? The things that seem obvious, the se- things that seem likely. But the Lord looks at the what? The heart. And there was this scrawny little teenager that wasn't even there. He was out tending the sheep. And he was God's chosen one. God uses the insecure and he uses the unlikely. Could it be that he does that? Because when God accomplishes his plan, just like he did with Moses, I'm going to give you the words to say, and I'm going to help you speak, that nobody's going to look on and say, well, this all makes sense. Chris Beale's involved, and so it's no wonder everything's going so awesome. Or is it rather... God must have surely shown up because He chose to use and fill in your name. He uses the insecure, He uses the unlikely. I want to tell you about a guy on our campus. His name is Justin Beaver, and <laughs> Justin Beaver, see people are laughing because they already kind of get where this illustration's going. Uh, Justin Beaver, if he were sitting in this room, and I don 't know that he is, uh, you probably wouldn't even recognize his presence. Um, He's very normal, ordinary. He's somewhat awkward from a public communication perspective, and he's been on this campus for the better part of a decade, serving children and pouring into teenagers. It's what his heart beats for. Years ago, um, he he flat out just said, I have got to take a step of faith. And I'm going to apply for a position at Life Church because God has just put this burden in me to minister. And so he goes through an interview process, and in that interview process, uh, he just doesn't make the cut. You know, uh, we hire somebody else, or something happened. Um, another interview process comes by. He throws his name in the hat and puts his resume in, gets passed over yet one more time doesn't get discouraged, continues to just faithfully pour into teenagers. Really, his heartbeat is 6th, 7th, and 8th graders. That's kind of that really awkward, bizarre age that we all try to block out of our memory. That's, that's his passion. And so finally, after such faithful service, we approach him, and we said, look, we, we probably want to, we need to talk to you. And so we bring him in, we approach him, interview him for a role, and I'll just tell you, the interview doesn't go great. Um, but there's just something there. There's this gut that God is up to something with this guy. And so we, we toss him the job. And so he's been on staff now for probably four years or so, um, five, I don't know. I'm bad with numbers. But in the course of his tenure here, um, we are actually having to expand our loop room because he brings so many students who brings so many students. He comes, he comes and he serves his switch group on Wednesday nights. And then when one of them has a, a, an athletic event out of state, on his own dime, he buys a plane ticket, gets in his car, and he drives to whatever state they're competing just to support the students in his switch group. And as of the end of last year, uh, the Oklahoma City campus has... Uh, We've brought up over a hundred teenagers, not to come and, and, and to be consumers of spiritual things but to be contributors. We call them swerve students and they're students that throughout the course of a weekend they are leading ministries, teenagers leading ministries in the largest church in the United States. And it all points back to the power of God through a very unlikely individual. So. So put you in this story. What are the things that you talk yourself out of? What are the things that you automatically, um, you discard yourself from consideration because of blank? Whatever liability, whatever insecurity. I'm not like that guy on stage. There is greatness in you for this reason. Because God made you, church. Church. God made you, and he made you for a purpose. God wants to use you. Let's just, talk, um, let's just talk about what's been happening on our campus. Anybody just love our church? It's just exciting. It's nuts what God is doing here. Um, in 2011, we ended the year... Uh, we had grown 23%, which equates to about 12 to 1,500 brand new people that are calling the OKC campus their home. Uh, Unprecedented growth at a church this size. Last weekend, um, Easter weekend, we saw um, 13,088 people come to our church, just this one campus. 13,000 people. Now, uh, are you ready for it? You know it's coming. Um, We've grown 23% in our attendance and we've grown 4% in our volunteers. So do the math. Project out to at the movies, project out to fall, project out to Christmas. And what do you think that equals for our guests who get invited to come to this church? Doesn't work. It doesn't work somebody say what do, you need, Chris? what do you need Chris I need more conviction say what do you need Chris you need? I'm so glad you asked um, here is specifically what I'd like to ask um, if you are not engaged serving in your church something is not being done because there is only one of you you are wired to give back if if all that happens within the context of your church participation, is you receiving, and there's no giving. You know what they call that? They call it the Dead Sea. Any body of water that's poured into, but isn't poured out of, becomes stagnant, and it's dead, it's lifeless. Nothing can grow there, ever. But when things are being poured into you, and you're being poured out, you become a river. And that's where the great stuff happens. And so here's the deal. I need 350 people this weekend to step up and serve in Life Kids. Honestly, 450 would be great. I need 200 people to serve on the host team. I need uh, 200 people to step up and serve in Switch. And I need 100 people to say, you know what, I'm going to open up my home and I'm going to lead a Life Group at some point this year. I'm not going to ask you to go stand in a line because I've put the application in the seat in front of you. And So what I'd like for you to do right now is pull it out. While I'm preaching, I want you to pull out the application, and I want you to start filling it out. I want you to multitask for the rest of my sermon. You can write your name, social security number, all the things that we're going to ask you because we will run a background check on you because safety is our first priority. And so here's the deal. Every single person that calls this place home, I'm asking you, Give. Give an hour. Give an hour in the span of a week, and what you will find is this. God, his need will become your legacy. That's what's going to happen. Do you think Gideon at any point in this process thought to himself, you know what, I need to assemble 300 people to take on the fiercest army, the Midianites myself. No, he never thought that. God had a need. God brought the need to Gideon, and what did Gideon say? He said yes. Yes. Do you, think, do you think Moses ever once had the thought, you know what, I should take all of the Hebrews, I should stand, you know, in front of the face of the most powerful Pharaoh in, in the history of the world and say, hey, what, I'm going to take all of these people across the Red Sea. I don't know how we're going to get across of it. Not one time did he have that thought, but God had a need. God communicated the need to Moses. What did Moses say? And he went down in history because he said Yes. David, tiniest guy, God said, Here's a need. You're supposed to be king. He said, Yes. The moment you say yes to the need God puts in front of you is the moment God's need becomes your legacy. It will change you. When you pour out, it will change you. God uses the insecure, He uses the unlikely, and finally, write this down He uses the broken. You don't know what I've done, Chris. You people don't know what I've done. Well, most of you do because my wife wrote a book about it. But um, that's neither here nor there. Uh, God uses the broken. Just things come to me and I just, I say them when they come to me. Um, Peter, Peter told Jesus, when Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times, Peter said, no way. If there's one guy that stands with you to the death, it will be me. And Jesus says, no, no. Before morning breaks, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And sure enough, Jesus was arrested hours later. Peter following safely at a distance. Somebody comes up and says, you're one of the disciples. Don't know what you're talking about. Get out of my face. Another person comes up. You're one of the followers. We've seen you with him. Don't know what you're talking about. And finally another person comes up. I think, I think you're one of the disciples and, and here's what Peter says. He said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And check this out, just feel this moment, please. And at that moment, the Lord turned and he looked straight at Peter. He had just done what he said 12 hours ago he would never do. Deny the Savior, deny the Lord. And Jesus just looked at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And upon that revelation, upon that remembrance, the Bible says that Peter went outside and wept bitterly. What do you think that stare was about? You think it was about condemnation? You think Jesus was saying, I told you so? This room is full of people that have blown it. And a lot of us have blown it huge. And a lot of times, we have a spiritual enemy that will exploit that sin and that rebellion. And we just say, you know what? I'm just going to be a great banker. I'm going to be a great teacher. I'm going to be a great mom. But I can't, I can't make a difference for the kingdom. When Jesus looked at Peter, I promise you, It was a look of, I love you, and I'm going to use you. Because when Jesus resurrected, he appeared to Peter. He forgave him. And who did Jesus choose to preach the sermon at Pentecost? But Peter. Thousands came to know the Lord. The first church was started. And I'm here to tell you folks, God chooses people to preach forgiveness who have received forgiveness. Because who else knows the power of the grace of God but somebody (laughs) whose life has been forever changed because they know what they deserve and they know what they've received. How can we not tell someone about how great God is and what he has done in our lives? God uses insecure people. He uses unlikely people. And yes, he specializes in using broken people. Well, I'm so
0: thankful for the great spiritual leadership from our Life Church pastors and from our network pastors as we answer the question who does God most often use? The good news is that God uses the insecure. If you've ever felt like you weren't good enough, God specializes in using those who depend on his ability. God often uses the unlikely. If you've ever been overlooked, God loves to use those that others don't see, but God sees something special in them because God doesn't look at the things that man looks at. Man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. And if you ever feel like life has beaten you up. The good news is, God loves to use those who have been broken. So the question remains, and that is this. What does God want to do through you? What does God want to do through you? And there's one answer to this question, if you're taking notes, write this down. What does God want to do through you? The answer is, you have to step out to find out. You've got to take a step of faith to find out exactly what God wants to do through you. That's right, you've got to step out to find out. Just like Moses who said, hey, I'm insecure. I'm not good at speaking. And God says, now go and I will give you the words to say. You've got to step out to find out. Just like David, who was a little shepherd boy who didn't feel like he was good enough to get it done. Whenever he saw the big giant, he had to pick up a rock and sling the rock to see what God would do. You have to step out to find out. Just like Peter, who messed up as big as anybody, denying Jesus three different times, and yet the Spirit of God picked him to be the guest speaker on the day of Pentecost. Who better to stand up and say, repent and turn from your sins. You've got to step out to find out. I believe with all of my heart that there are those of you, you're a Christian, you've been around the things of God for a while, but you haven't really done anything significant. And guess what? The Spirit of God is going to speak to you. It's time to step You've got to step out to find out what God wants you to do. I don't know what you will do. You may say, but I want to see the whole plan. And God says, you can't handle the whole plan. You take step one and two, and he'll reveal step three and four. But you don't get to see step three and four until you take step one and two. What is step one and two for you today? I don't know. Maybe it's to sign up and say, hey, I want to lead a life group. I want to serve In switch. I want to minister in Life Kids. It could be that you reach out to someone that you love and talk to them about Jesus. It may be that you start writing the book. I don't know what it is, but what I do know is this. What does God want to do through you? You've got to step out to find out. And the good news is, if you don't feel good enough, God specializes in using the insecure. God specializes in using the unlikely. And God specializes in using the broken. And that's all of us. It's time to step out and find out just how God wants to use you. Let's all pray together. Father, we ask that in your presence, your spirit would answer the question that many of us have asked, why would God use someone like me? And God, we would find the confidence that you specialize in using people just like us to do significant works all for your glory. As you're praying today at all of our different churches, I believe that God is speaking to many of you. You may have felt insecure. You may have felt too unlikely. You you feel like you're not Good enough, and God is stirring you. In fact, right now, there are a lot of you that you're kind of on the sidelines of the church. And what I want to do is start with the church because I believe so much in the church. It's the church for which Jesus died, and you're not yet using your gifts in the church, and God is showing you it's time to use your gifts to make a difference in the church. At All of our different churches, those of you who say, you know what, I really, I know God does want to use me in his church, and I'm not doing anything right now, but I want to make a difference. You're going to have to step out to find out what it is. Would you just lift up your hands right now as a first step, just all of our different churches, and say, yes, I, I want to make a difference in my church. Thank you for hands all over the place. Now, put those hands down. Others of you say, I I believe God has more in me, either in the church or outside the church in this world, but I want God to use me in a significant way. Lift your hands right now, all over the place. God, thank you for hands all over. God, I thank you that there are those who desire to serve you in your church. I pray, God, that today they'd reach out to a pastor, to a staff member, that they'd make the call, they'd send the email, God, you would plug them into a place to use their gifts for your glory through your church. Now, God, I pray that you would expand our vision, that you would give us a passion to do more for your glory, that, God, you would give us a divine burden to use our gifts in this world God, to make a difference. God, I thank you today. You are are raising up the unlikely. You're raising up the insecure. God, you're raising up the broken because you specialize in using people like us. As you keep praying today at all of our different churches, there are many of you that, that you're wondering, how could God ever use someone like me after all the bad things that I've done? Many of you, you want to be used by God, but you simply don't feel good enough. Well, I've got great news for you, and that is you're absolutely right. You're not good enough, but you're in the right place because we serve a God who loves to forgive those of us who have sinned. All of our different churches, many of you right now, you're very aware of your own sinfulness. You may even feel very, very guilty. Well, I'm here to tell you God brought you here today because God loves People like us. The amazing thing is, is that Jesus didn't come for the healthy, he said. He came for the sick. He didn't come for the righteous, but he came for the sinners. He came for people like you and people like me. At all of our different churches, I believe there are those of you that it's time for you to call on him. He wants to use you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to make you new. And that's why you're here today at all of our churches. There are those of you, as you call on the name of Jesus, he will hear your prayer. He will forgive your sins. He will fill you with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, and you will never be the same. You know it. That's why you're here today. All of our churches, those of you who would say, hey, that's me. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to know him. I need his forgiveness, and I want to be used for his glory. Today, I give my life to him. That's your prayer. Would you lift your hands high right now? All of our churches, lift them high.